Welcome to the Agent of Wealth podcast with Mark Boudis from Boudis Financial. In this podcast, Mark helps guide you towards financial freedom, ensure you never run out of money, and create a balance in life that prioritizes what is most important to you. Join us for this journey as Mark draws from years of expertise and guest experts to solve the multiple wealth building challenges involved in your financial life. Welcome back to the Agent of Wealth. This is your host, Mark Bowdis. Today, I'm joined by a special guest, Richard Wildman, a business expert, serial entrepreneur, author, philanthropist, and keynote speaker. Orphaned at age six, Richard lived in 19 foster homes and attended 11 different schools. Rather than becoming a victim of those circumstances, he overcame them and has had a remarkable business success. He was an award-winning general sales manager at Rolls-Royce, and he headed sales and marketing for The Raw Report, a magazine for luxury lifestyle from its inception until its record liquidity event. He's the author of two international bestsellers, the latest of which is The Power of Why, Breaking Out in a Competitive Marketplace. His next book, A Hundred Proven Ways to Acquire and Keep Clients for Life, will be released on March 12th and is available for pre-order on Amazon now. Richard has also been inducted into the Customer Experience Hall of Fame for his legendary work helping brands engage with their customers and retain them. Welcome to the show, Richard. Well, thank you, Mark. It's a joy to be with you today. Great. So I'm excited to, to speak with you today and primarily about your newest book. You know, maybe we can even just get started, go jump right into the book in a hundred proven ways to acquire and keep clients for life. You referenced that people are going through a great reevaluation. What does that mean for businesses and professionals? It's a great question. And if we all just stop for a moment and think about how do we make choices? All of us have providers of all kinds of things, doctors, dentists, dry cleaners, financial banks, there's a lot, everything we do today, for the most part, that industry or that provider is part of a commoditized world. So there's not just one air conditioning company or one heating company or one doctor, one dentist, one financial advisor. And what people have come to the realization is they don't want to be taken for granted anymore. And what they're doing, they've stepped back and they're going through a great reevaluation. Are we going to the right Doctor, do I have the right dentist? I spoke to a young lady the other day, and she says, I'm looking for a new doctor, I'm looking for a new dentist, and I'm looking for a new dry cleaner. And I said, why? She said, because they really don't care about me. And that's what's going on. I think what the pandemic did for everybody is made people realize their money spends everywhere, and what they want to have is a great experience. So as a result of that, we call it the great re-evaluation. Am I with the right advisor? Am I with the right bank? And, and we've done this, Mark. If you think about it, if you and I go out to lunch, we have a great lunch, but it's so noisy, we're yelling across the table at each other. The next time I say, hey, Mark, let's go have lunch. You're going to be good. And I say, let's go back to that. And you're like, yeah, you know, it's so noisy. We can't, could barely hear ourselves things. We got two other people. Why don't we, we end up going somewhere else? All of us have experienced that. And that particular facility, that restaurant, we evaluated. We don't want to be there anymore, so we're going to go somewhere else. That's what's going on in our country right now. People are reevaluating where they're doing business. I kind of, I mean, as a consumer, I think that's a great concept. A lot of times you don't even think about it. You have either like a mediocre experience, a, even a bad experience, and you kind of either brush it aside and say, all right, maybe it'll be better next time or, or you know, not that bad. But it really makes sense for us as consumers. We're spending money to go and, and reevaluate, you know, look and say, is this the right place for, for my dentist, for my doctor, for my dry cleaner? So I, I kind of like that concept. Now, on the business side of it, 
Well, how do they go about creating experience so that they don't wind up getting replaced and that they, you know, they still become the provider of choice for whatever service they provide? Well, again, if we think about the great reevaluation and they're reevaluating whether they're with you, what do business owners, what do professionals, what do anybody in business, I don't care if you're a salesperson, a receptionist, a marketer, the CEO, you're running a small business, and I don't care what kind of business it is. Now, what we need to do is really take a different approach and have the great re-engagement. We've got to engage with people at a different level. It cannot just be a transaction. You know, the truth of the matter is most companies, most professionals, even CEOs, they're in love with their product, their process, their principles, their pricing, and they love to talk about their piece. But what the consumer is really in love with is the experience and the outcome. Today, they want someone to personalize and humanize the relationship. They want to feel like they're important to you. So personalize and humanize means they want an experience with you that demonstrates four things. I want to do business or go somewhere for lunch or have a doctor, have a dentist, have a financial advisor that's kind, that's caring and cares enough to really find out what's going on in my life. I want a waitress who walks up to me and cares enough to make sure that I'm comfortable through the entire meal or the waiter. I want someone that's thoughtful, that takes the extra step, and someone that's empathetic to me and my situation. So how do we move forward? We've got to realize we need to personalize and humanize every interaction, every touch point, so that people feel appreciated. They feel like somebody cares enough about them, that somebody sees their situation, and that they see you as thoughtful and kind. I'll give you an illustration. If you and I had a favorite place to go for lunch, or a place we've been once or twice, and we go in and say, oh, Mark, they say, nice to see you again. Uh, we've got the table over there in the corner reserved for you again so you can talk. Well, you're going to keep going back there because they personalize and humanize the experience. At the same time, think about the mail you get says, dear client or dear customer. You don't really feel a sense of connection there. So what's the path forward? We have to personalize and humanize. Not because I said so. It's because we interviewed hundreds and hundreds of people and said, we're sick and tired of being an account. We're sick and tired of being addressed as dear customer. Uh, we're sick and tired that nobody personalizes and humanizes any part of our relationship. They just see us as a sale. So I think th those four things make sense, and they probably cut across every type of business or service that's that's out there. But they're probably, I would imagine, the four, how you actually execute the four things are probably different. Like, let's say... I'm a restaurant or I'm a financial advisor or I'm a doctor. Within their specific business, how do they go about doing that? Again, another great question. Chick-fil-A. Let's just take a step back and think about Chick-fil-A. Truett Cathy was a founder, was a friend of mine, a good friend. We, we had lots of conversations and work. And if you think about Chick-fil-A, now keep in mind, Chick-fil-A is only open 10 and a half months a year. Remember, they're closed every Sunday. That's 52 days. So for all intents and purposes, they close November 15th and reopen January 1st. Yet they have the highest gross of any other fast food restaurant chain in the world per location. So McDonald's is open 365, in many cases 24, and you've got another store called Chick-fil-A that's open 10 and a half months and they're beating them on revenue. There's a message there, I think. And what's the message? Well, we talk to people. And you know what? Even the people sitting in the lines there, or the two or three lines that get in in their cars, it's not about the chicken sandwich. It's exactly what Truett told me years ago. He said, Richard, we are not in the chicken business. We are in the people business. Help me elevate that experience. And where we are as a, as a society, please thank you in my pleasure, which is the watchwords at Chick-fil-A. You ask about restaurants. 
please, thank you, and my pleasure. People go back. Why? Because people there, they perceive, are kind, thoughtful, caring, and empathetic because we say, please, thank you, and my pleasure. That's how far we've slid as a society in terms of graciousness. So here's three things that were done that elevated them to the greatest revenue of any store in a fast food chain. So that's an example. Another one, Freddie Steakburger and Custer out in Kansas. Great. They read my current book, The Power of Why. The COO called me. We had a long conversation. I went out and met with him. Wonderful steak burgers, et cetera. He's like, how can we elevate so more people come here? So what do we do? We crafted with them a thing called the Freddy's way of doing business. This is the way they're being treated in the stores. We're not going to have every booth knocked, nailed down. We're going to take part of the booths out. We're going to put tables and chairs. So when the Little League comes in on Tuesday night after the game or Saturday, they can slide their chairs over to the corner. Church group can slide over to this corner, et cetera, and build a sense of community there. They just won the National Fast Food, Fast Casual Restaurant Award for the best fast casual repeat business in the industry. They beat everybody. Culver, Smashburg. Now, why? It's not about us. It's about the experience was great. NFL. Vikings build a new stadium. Had the privilege of auditing. First thing is, got to put another 2,000 TVs in. 2,000 TVs is the news. Put in 2,000 TVs. There's too many places they can't see the game from a close-up perspective. Let's put an app in so they can order food from their seats. Let's change security so the kids aren't all in line screaming, Mommy, Mommy, why do I have to go here? And change the branding on it and say, you must pass through here to be a certified fan. And when they come through, the kids get a sticker. Well, if there's a second game, I get a call from the city. He said, Richard, what are we going to do? The kids want to go through twice. They want two stickers. I'm like, just give them an extra sticker. So all these are little things we can do. It's never the big things. If I'm a financial advisor, don't know my first name. In other words, uh, my first initial is C. I get a lot of emails, Mark. Dear C. I don't read them. Okay. I have a friend of mine in Atlanta. She's very wealthy. She's in her 80s. Her nickname is Lolly because when she was a baby or a little girl, her grandfather called her Lollipop and they called her Lolly because she loved lollipops. Well, if you call her Elizabeth, you're going to lose her business forever. She's not even going to talk to you. She's not Beth. She's not Elizabeth. Her name is Lolly. She sends out invitations. Please come to my party. Signed, Lolly. So my point is personalize and humanize. It's how you engage with people. It's like salespeople. They'll send out, I'm just, or they're calling you. Hey, Mark, I'm just following up. I got nothing more to offer. I'm really hoping maybe you're going to make a decision. I'm pretty desperate over here. I'm just really like, man, got my fingers crossed. Wow. Well, who does that? If you'd have made a decision, Mark, you'd have already called me. Yeah, no, that's great. Um, stay, sticking with uh, those four four things that businesses can do. Uh, one of them is being empathetic. What are some of the ways that business or so, you know someone can show a client that they're empathetic? It's an interesting fact today that people are not really confident somebody sitting on their side of the table. And I struggled with this for a long time and how I could come up with a way that anybody could be empathetic in any situation. I mean, there's one thing to say, Mark, I'm very empathetic. But it's another thing to demonstrate. You know, I sold cookware door to door. I never sold any on the box. I had to get in the house and cook a meal. So there's a demonstrating and talkestrating. But it hit me. The easiest way to do it is the way we speak to people. Example, I might say, if you don't mind me asking, Mark, as soon as you hear, if you don't mind me asking, up comes the defensive walls. It's like, whoa, what's he going to ask me now? We always use the predicate on the front because it's proper English. 
what dawned on me in the middle of the night, literally, is to put the predicate on the back. So, Mark, how old are you? If, if you don't mind me asking. So then I did focus groups. And I would say, if you don't mind me asking, boom, rude, boom. They push the button, rude, boom, aggressive, boom, alpha. I mean, people were trying to crush the buttons in the focus groups. And I asked the exact same question. How much money do you want to invest with us if you don't mind me asking? Very empathetic, 83% empathetic, empathetic, empathetic. It's the same question, reverse the predicate. I mean, that's a simple example, but it's one that goes to the point of our words matter and it engages with people. Another thing you could do, let's say somebody doesn't buy from you. What do you do? Most people say, well, like I didn't buy and the price wasn't right. Why don't you send them a thank you note? That's what I do. Somebody calls me and wants me to speak at a conference. I send them a thank you note. Whatever the reason that they decided to do something else, I always send them a thank you note. Now, I don't say I'm sorry. I say I'm disappointed. Disappointed we're unable to do business now. I didn't say forever. It might be timing. Disappointed we're unable to do business now. I look forward to working with you in the future, period. Always feel welcome. Don't say feel free. Feel welcome. That's empathetic and gracious. Feel welcome to call. I just spoke at a conference in, in Chicago. The CEO gets up to introduce me. He said, four years ago, I tried to get Richard to come in. We couldn't get it done schedule-wise. And then with all the other things that we're working on, and he said, I felt really bad. We just couldn't make it happen. And he said, the reason he's here today, though, is I want to read you something. And he picked up out of his pocket, and he said, this is a note Richard sent me four years ago. Disappointed we're unable to do business now, Mark. I look forward to working with you in the future. Always feel welcome to call. Warm regards, Richard. He read that for the, to the audience. He said, this is where we're going to take our business. You know what it does? It does two things. One, it shows empathy. But the second thing it does, it allows the, let's call it the buyer or the prospect who said no, to save face. I'm shocked how many times I've sent that out. And somebody will call, and, you know, we made a different decision on consulting and uh, we realized we made a mistake. Uh, do you think we could kind of like re-engage here, Richard? It allows people to keep the path open to continue the relationships. And relationships drive revenue, Mark. Relationships drive everything or the lack thereof. Is that helpful? Yeah, yeah. We're talking about this engagement and experience. At what point does the client actually become an advocate for you? Is it after one great experience? Does it take multiple? What can someone do to kind of nurture that, that client becoming an advocate over time? It's an interesting question, and I've studied this intently. There doesn't seem to be, how shall we say, a formula or a timeline that one can say, in this industry, it's going to take X. What it really does is the more you personalize and humanize every touch point, what, ha what we're seeing is after, and, and again, I, I, I hesitate to put a time on it, but it seems to be after people have had eight, ten personalized, humanized experiences with you, that they then feel like they're in the right place. And everybody's different. Every buyer is different. Every prospect, we get that. But if your focus as a CEO, as a business owner, as a salesperson, whatever, is to realize that the more you can elevate the touch points and you personalize and humanize, what happens to people is they then become delighted advocates for you because you reassure them, reassure them they're in the right place. And I'll tell you where the gap is. And I, I write about this in 100 Proven Ways to Acquire and Keep Clients for Life. 
What people look for is emotional security. So the more you can touch on the emotional points of a sale or of a relationship, example, instead of saying, well, Mark, how are you doing? You and I both know the answer is going to be fine. But if on the other hand, if I say, well, Mark, what are you and your family most excited about this summer? I'm going to get a completely different answer. And the advantage is you're going to tell me more of your story. And the more I know your story, the more sensitive I can become to your story. And more importantly, you'll share with me, you'll share things with me that you wouldn't share with anybody else. And that helps build an emotional connection. And that connection leads to delighted advocacy. Now, obviously, you got to be competent in what you do and you got to perform. We get all that. But at the baseline, what's the difference between a satisfied client and a delighted advocate? It's the emotional relational connection they feel with you. So if you do six or eight touch points and you're really focused on them and not on yourself, you win because they see this individual's for me. It's like you go to a doctor one time, you're kind of nervous. Second time you go back, you got the same bedside manner. How are you doing? What's going on? What are you and your family focused on? Great. How have you been feeling? How can I help you? Anything else that I can help you with today? That doctor, by the time you've gone twice, you're like, this doctor is the real deal. Why? Because they're personalized and humanized versus the guy. How can I help you? What can I do for you today? Snap out of it. What do you mean, what can you do for me today? I don't even know what my problem is. I'm just here looking for some help to figure out what the solution is. So get people to tell their story. That's critical to help them feel as though they're in the right place. The truth of the matter is the average American thinks the people they buy from could care less. As a professional, how can I be sure that I'm either meeting or even better, exceeding the expectations of my clients. Like we all, you know, go to the doctor and get like a text right after it. Here's a survey and, or we'll get an email saying, please write a Google review. Are those effective ways? Both things you mentioned are very common. We get customer satisfaction surveys all the time. I ran it from Hertz the other day. We'd like to know how satisfied you are. But the, what people need to realize is all of those commentaries and all of those scoring on satisfaction, those are all a look back. We're, we're talking about what happened when I did something with that company. We need, as salespeople, professionals, business owners, we need to be looking forward. And how do you do that? Well, I'll give you two ways. One, at the, I have a call with a CEO today. Last thing I said to him is, what else can I do for you today? And went in a completely different direction of our conversation. I mean, it was like we were talking about A, and he went over to D. I mean, it was like, as soon as I, what else can I do for you? He's like, oh, you know, there is one more thing. So what I've learned is a way to really make that connection and to get great reviews and create delighted advocates is always be a bit, what else can I do for you today? Even if it's a five-minute conversation. Mark, thanks so much for calling. What else can I do for you? No, I'm all set. But people remember that. That's one. Two, when you sign your email, stop signing, feel free. Always sign with feel welcome to call. Feel welcome to reach out. It's more gracious, it's more kind, and it builds advocacy. I have people tell me my advisor is always there for me. He always says, always feel welcome. Well, that's a blessing when people feel like you're there for them, even if you're not there for them. And then the other thing is, every year, instead of asking, how did we do, which is a look back, the satisfaction scores, why don't we ask a different question, Mark? What can my team and I do to elevate your experience further? I'll give you a classic example. I've got a guy, and he's not far from you, actually, in Wayne, Pennsylvania area, in financial services. He has several widows and executives as clients. And I encourage him to ask the question. And the widow said, well, you know, frankly, we don't like driving out here when it's so snowy. It's 
it just feels dangerous. I'd rather stay home. And I don't like Zoom because I don't get to see your staff. He said, well, how about if we provide a car service for you? Oh, my God, that would be amazing. Well, well, guess what happened? Picked up 11 new clients because those widows told their widow friends, my advisor sends a car to pick me up. It's not Uber, a car. He's got a company that's a client that happens to run a limo service. So he gets them to go. Then he started doing it with executives. Now, what's the point? Very minimal cost, but what a massive impact. He would have never known had he not asked the question. You mentioned that a little bit earlier about yourself doing focus groups. Have you seen businesses do focus groups, or even in my industry, they call them client advisory boards, where they'll bring together some clients and they'll go through, this is what we're currently doing, you know, and, and kind of test different things out. Like you said, looking forward of, you know, how can we make improvements or what kind of changes can we, can we make? Do you see companies having success doing those? Those that do it have significant success with it because they're getting direct input from the consumer. The unfortunate thing is that one is some of these focus groups that some firms do, they tend to ask questions that get them the result they hope they were looking for. That doesn't, I mean, it's gratifying, but it's not so good. Secondarily, though, the organizations that have true focus groups or have a board and invite their customers onto the board, like an advisory board, I think you mentioned that, is a good example. I've I been in a board meeting the last three days in Naples, Florida, and we have a couple of clients. It's for this particular company uh, that I consult with, and I've been on the board for several years there. But we have clients that are selected to also serve on the board. Why? Because we want to hear their voice. We want to say, you know, this is something we're going to do organizationally. And uh, if how, how would that resonate with you, Tom or George or whatever? And it's remarkable. Sometimes you'll say, well, that's good. But, you know, you ought to look at it a different way. And it's always like, wow, wouldn't have thought of that. So, unfortunately, not enough companies are having either client advisory boards or uh, have, shall we say, customers or clients serve on their boards. Uh, one of the things we did at Freddie Stakeburger and Custard, we started a fan club and we polled them and asked them questions. And it was unbelievable. I mean, unbelievable some of the tips, and they cost nothing. And people love to share. If they feel like they're part of something, people will support that, which it is they feel like they're building or supporting. It's just remarkable. So you're exactly right. Uh, focus groups, I mean, I do them because we do a lot of consulting and branding and client experience. I mean, I'll get 15 other clients in the room and say, what can we do to elevate the experience? And you get a torrent of ideas. People say, well, you know what they could do? They could pay. I had one the other, we did for a group the other day. I said, well, we hate the fact to get our validation of our parking. It takes like 15 minutes. Why can't they do that when we come in the door? If I'm in a hurry, I come in, I'm going to have my meeting with Mark. I hand you the ticket. It gets validated while I'm having my meeting. I come out, here's your ticket. Saves me 15 minutes. I mean, it's kind of like, what's the question here? Okay. But these are the clients. And would, another person said the elevators are too slow to be able to go up and down. We don't like that. And these two banks aren't working. Another woman said, I don't like the fact when I go in a lady's room, they don't have hand soap and hand towels. How hard is that to fix? You can say, well, we're in a building. We don't own the, the restroom. Fine. Why don't you put them in there and put courtesy of ABC Physicians Group? People go, wow, these people are great. All these little things you can do, they really cost nothing, but they make an enormous impact. Yeah, like you said, it's, it's the little things that make a that make a difference. 
All right, uh, Richard, that's uh, all the time we have for today. I want to thank you for being on the show. Before we go, can you share, please share your, your website and any other relevant resources uh, you have for our listeners? The website is Richard Weilman. I'll spell it Richard, W-E-Y-L-M-A-N.com. You can go there. You can, uh, I've, I've got a whole host of videos up under resources. They're free. They're a couple minute videos on various topics to elevate. They're all free, 30 or 40 of them. Go enjoy those. You can find out information about uh, 100 proven ways to acquire and keep clients for life. And also, of course, our coaching division, which we do a lot of coaching in a lot of different industries and in our consulting. And if you're interested in purchasing the book, you can get it from Amazon or any fine bookstore. Barnes & Noble, uh, of course, has their website. There's many others that you can order from. And if you go to my website, richardweilman.com, and just click on Learn More, there's a whole list of the, and links to the various bookstores that perhaps you're interested in. Yes, Amazon's easy, but there's lots of other places you can order. And I think we should support the local bookstore as much as we can. Thank you, Mark. Great. We'll link to those resources in the show notes. Uh, thanks again, Richard. And thank you to everyone who tuned in today. Don't forget to follow the Agent of Wealth on the platform you listen from and leave us a review of the show. We're currently accepting new clients. And if you'd like to schedule a one-on-one consultation with our advisors, please do so at bowdasfinancial.com backslash call. Thank you for listening to the Agent of Wealth podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered represents the views and opinions of the guests and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Boutis Financial. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only and is not intended to be a substitute for professional financial planning and investment advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investments and financial planning.